welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. What a privilege. I'm, I'm looking out at my heroes and friends, people I love so much. And then I'm looking to you online, uh, Open Door Online, and um, you're in your pajamas, aren't you? Yeah. I know, no, I, no, how can I judge? I was right there with you. Um, oh, also, there is a church that you don't, maybe don't know about who loves you very much. And they are up in Kitchener, Canada. They're called New Life. And they're under lockdown now. So they're watching our service. And uh, we are so honored to have you. And yeah, today, amen. And you may be in your pajamas also. All right, okay. Uh, would you open your Bibles to 1 John 4:13 through 21? Uh, truth in advertising, I was preparing this message and I was I had these concepts down before Wednesday happened at the Capitol. And so I want you to know that so so that this is not a message in response to Wednesday. This is in hopefully in response to this text. I love this passage. What a privilege to get this passage. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has, look at the light behind it, He has uh, given us of His Spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, and whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. And we have... We have come to know and we have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because love, because fear involves punishment, and the one who is afraid is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, Oh, I love God and hates his brother, no, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment that we have from Him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. If you want a template for this letter that we've been going through, it's been done so beautifully by everyone uh, doing it. Stuart, you were amazing as always last week um, to have theology brought back in and everything. Uh, 
Yeah, there, <laughs> call it a V. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Stu just comes at it. it it's I, I just need a nap when I'm done. It's just so good. Um, but if you want the genesis or the template or how this letter is put together, I do not know of a better message that has ever been given that I've heard uh, on it than First John. Uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, given by my son, Caleb. And I, I would really, really encourage you to go back and listen to that message again uh, before you're done with this series. Okay, um, and in here he says, it's not behaviors of love that we perform to become a Christian, but love that we express because we are Christians. Um, so let's have the slide. This is my best shot at a at an outline. Uh, it's not Stuart, but I, at least it's an outline. I've got something up here. I was shamed into that. Um, yes, love replaces unbelief. Four thirteen and fourteen. Love replaces aloneness. Four thirteen and fifteen. Love replaces immaturity. Love replaces fear. And love replaces hate. You, you, you're going to watch us. John's going to, it's like a summing up. He's, he's giving the testimony of Christ. And once we believe it, we find a home, we abide. And in believing these things about Christ's love, we mature. And that maturity makes us perfected, whole. And that perfection allows us to no longer fear and no longer hate. It's a beautiful, beautiful section of thought that's been given to us. Okay, let's hit the first one. Love replaces unbelief. Uh, the, the verb is theo, theomai. To steadfastly and deliberately contemplate. This is John. John's saying this, and I think he's speaking for the apostles, and I think he's speaking for us. But the apostles, we have seen, we've touched we testify that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world it literally uh, stretched out says this and as for us we have deliberately and steadfastly contemplated and now after a long time we're testifying that the father has sent the son as the savior of the world we're convinced of it. We're absolutely, we're going to give our lives for it. And then he says in 4.15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Confession is this, Jesus is the Son of God, and thus God the Son, and thus very God of very God. So then, instantaneously upon that confession, love then replaces aloneness. You see, the result is new birth. And that another way of saying that is, boom, once and for all, we abide. We abide in Him, and He abides in us. Instantaneously with that confession. Not gradually do I sort of uh, 
hang out in the front room and then eventually get access to the garage and then the kitchen and then the bedroom. He lives in me and I live in him. Um, immediately. Uh, it's the verb uh, meno. It's uh, to dwell. To live. To be asked into another person's house. And to, to move Allow them into your home. It is the most intimate uh, thing that two people can do is to offer that. It is um, the most tender, intimate action that God can take with us. Again, I want to make sure we keep saying this. Love is not a condition to be met so that you may abide, but evidence that you abide for your encouragement. By this we know that we abide in Him. Not by this we abide in Him. Do you hear that? By this we know that we abide in Him. Not by this we abide in Him. So, so in here, three times in this paragraph, verse 13, we dwell in Him, He dwells in us. 15, God dwells in Him, He in God. 16, He dwells in God, God in Him. Crazy. I, I can get, yes, I come into the Godhead, I become that. It's crazy to think that He would tenderly, vulnerably move into my craziness. I, um, I think it's been 35 years. 35 years ago, I did this next piece. And um, it's never fit anywhere in Scripture until today. So I'm going to do it again for you. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, a little, little throwback. So imagine you are um, in a big city, an old city, and uh, you are in this dilapidated uh, studio, this, this uh, ugly, in a, about a 15 Floor and you're about the ninth floor and it's freezing cold and it's winter time and the heater doesn't work much and it's a tiny room, it's efficiency and you've, you've got one tiny bathroom, the only window in the place is in the bathroom. There's this sewage smell that you can't quite define, but it's there. Uh, there's water, but it's rust-colored. Um, it, it is just an ugly, ugly place. There's a scattered furniture, like a couple of chairs, and there's a light hanging down with a little cord, and that is it. And you pay so much for it. You're paying $4,500 a month for this little place. <laughs> but it's all there is. It's the only place in town. So you do it. And, and about every couple of weeks, there's a... It's me! Open up! And he doesn't wait for you to open up. He just slams the door open. And it's this giant, giant slumlord. This, this massive, giant guy with a beard. And he looks like Beowulf and he, and he, in a mustard-colored jumpsuit. And he's, he's got this beard, and, he, and he's, got, he's chewing tobacco, so there's always tobacco juice spitting off. And then he spits it onto the ground. He says, I'm, I'm going to charge you for that. I mean, he's mean. 
And he says, you got to pay the rent. You're late on rent. I, I got papers. I got papers. And he freaks you out. He's overwhelming. And, and so you, um, you do. You pay him. And you are running so far behind. And you are in debt. And you're going in greater debt. He says, I'll be back. You're going to hear from me. And so it goes. That is our life. Uh, that's our life before the new landlord. And then one day, there's no knock on the door, but something draws you to answer the door. And you open the door, and there is light in the hall. It's always been dark in the hall, but now there's light, and there's this wonderful person standing there saying, may I come in? And you let him in, and he looks at the room and says... I am so sorry. This place is a, a dump. Oh my gosh. Now, right away, we got to do some things. We got to get some. I'll get the heater going. That's, that's the first. We'll get some air conditioning here, too. You haven't had that before, have you? Um, and it, I'll get the sink fixed. Let's put in a skylight. It's going to be tough. Ninth floor uh, <laughs> of a 15th floor. But let's, we're going to give it a go. And let's knock out a wall here and give you a view. A view of the city. It's beautiful. Get some leather furniture in here and some really cool lights like they've got down at Open Door. We'll get those for you. Don't you worry. It's a, hey, and by the way, I... Because I say, I can't pay for this. And he says... Oh, that's, that's the beautiful part. You get to live here for free. And if you'd like, I'd like to live here with you. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, this guy with the papers, he's going to come back. And when he comes back, might I just suggest that you say this to him. Tell him, uh, you've got to take it up with the new landlord. Oh, and he'll come back. He'll keep coming back. But eventually he knows that he has to. Well, 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 well. Life changes for you. I mean, it is beautiful. Things are happening. Things are being built. A wall gets knocked down. You could start to see the city skyline at night. It's The heater's working. You could drink out of the tap. Things are going on until one day, Hey, it's me! The old landlord, open up! Boom! He comes in again, spits more tobacco juice on the carpet. What is this? What are you doing? There's an HOA here. You can't do this. This is going to cost you. No, 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 no. You're gonna, you can't do Oh, are you going to be charged for this? There's a skylight in here. How do you do that? <laughs> now, i got a choice at this moment. I can ignore him. But he's just going to keep yelling and slamming things and hitting with those papers. Or emboldened because of the new landlord, I can fight him. I could take him on. But that's stupid because he's big and he'll knock you down and he'll get that tobacco juice all over you. <laughs> and then you think, wait, wait, wait. Um, I think I'm supposed to tell you, sir, to take it up with the new landlord. And he'll yell and go, no, 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 I got papers. I'll be back. But each time he's a little less loud. I got papers. 
And so it is. So it is with me growing up and maturing and learning what has happened from the earliest moment of my faith. The new landlord is coming in and he is remodeling. And he's letting me live here for free and he's living with me. And all this that I have paid before with sin that I just always thought I'm this person who has to pay this. Maturing is becoming convinced that that's not who I am anymore. I love that verse 13 says, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He's given us of the Spirit. I love that. Gnosko is that word. You've been hearing it all series long. Uh, Oida is uh, head knowledge. Gnosko is that experiential knowledge. I've been doing some things. Some things have been happening. I've been catching myself when I've been hurting people or, or uh, unhinged. I've, I'm growing up. And the Holy Spirit says, that's it, kid. Didn't I tell you? You're doing it. You belong to Him. Doesn't this just delight you? You go, yeah. That's what the Holy Spirit, He's doing His job. He's being the encourager. So, then next, love replaces immaturity. Because that has happened, because I abide, because I, He lives with me now, because I'm knowing gradually, love starts to replace immaturity. And verse 16 says, we have come to know experience. We've come to experience and believe the love that God has for us. Right there, I am undone by God's motive in salvation. For God, for the love that God has for us. That's why, that's why he, he didn't want heaven to be heaven without you in it. He says, the motive for everything I do, he says, is the love that I have for you. I love you so much, uniquely and particularly, I love you. And that's why I'm doing this. Experiencing that, starting to dare believe that that could be true about me, that starts to mature me. Also, I'm undone by this perfect verb of experiencing. It's not just that I get his motive, but I'm starting to let him love me. I'm starting to let him talk to me. I'm starting to talk to him. I'm starting to find myself obeying from the heart until it says, I love what verse 17 says, and by this, by these actions, by these convictions, by this experience, by this understanding of his motive, by this understanding that I live in him and he in me, and that I'm not the same old person, by this love becomes perfected in me. Perfected. It's not, the, the verb is not to be with without any flaws. Stuart taught this last week. It's to be whole or mature. Wow. So I'm growing up, and, and, and the main, it's so interesting when it says, the main two things that a grown-up love does is it starts to lose fear and it starts to lose hate. 
And so love replaces fear. Verse 17, verse 18, By this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in the world. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. The, the, the word that he's using, fear, here, is uh, the Greek word phobos. It's where we get our word phobia from. It's a dread. It's a cringing fear. This fear that he's talking about uh, has in itself something of the nature of punishment. I get afraid because I'm afraid I'm going to be punished. That God ultimately, at the end of the day, is going to punish me. And so that's why he says, once, verse 17, because as he is, so also we are in the world. Oh, we're his beloved children. It caused, that causes us in maturity to no longer fear him or fear punishment. That is a beautiful place to be. See, I, I, I know that we all know that it's in Scripture and it's there waiting for us and we're terrified of it. Chapter 20 of Revelation, it's coming. And I saw the dead and the great and the small standing before the throne and books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life and the dead were being judged from the things that were written in the books according to their deeds. Sounds like it was written by a pirate. No. But you have to know who it's about. I want to tell you, I, all my life growing up, I heard that there was a movie that was going to go on in heaven. And he, God would show you all the things that you did wrong in your life. And you see this? You, know, you thought I didn't see that one. Well, I did. Next! That's how I thought it was good. There is not going to be any movie of your life for condemnation. There will only be a movie of what He has done. And the only deeds at the judgment are have you trusted Jesus? Are you in the book of life? The answer is to that one, yes, because I have trusted Jesus that He is God of God and the Savior of the world. And He died for me. There's no judgment. No judgment. Uh, by the way, you also don't have to have that fear of everybody else is going to get rewards except me. I know that. Look, rewards, rewards is singular. Reward. There's no little baskets of crowns that you're going to give back. Reward is Him present with you. Ow! And all of us who dwell in Him, all of us who name the name of Christ, we will all get that reward. No matter how flimsy your life has been or slow to grow, That is a, that's a beautiful fruit of this maturity of per, being perfected. And then, um, 
And this is where I'm going to spend some time. Love replaces hate. We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, can't love God whom he's not seen. And this, this is the commandment that we have for him. That the one who loves God should also love his brother. We love because he first loved us. There's, there's, no, there's no John Lynch drumming up love. I've experienced, whatever I've experienced of his love, I can give out. So we love God or each other from the prior and ongoing initiative of God of first having loved and continually loving us and us receiving it. That's why we talk so much about the importance of not just trying to prove to God that you love Him, but learning to allow Him to love you so that then you can turn around with that love and love others who desperately need your love. John says it's easier. I wouldn't think, at first I would think, no, it's a lot easier to love God than men. People, no. But he says, no, it's because you can see people. Don't tell me that you can love him who you can't see when you're not loving those that you do see. So I can't see him. I can't easily have a conversation. I can't often hear him. I can't touch him. Okay, so we've been talking about love for five chapters, four chapters. What does this love specifically look like? Well, in, in the letter um, of 1 John, make sure you understand, he's talking about our relationship with our brothers and sisters. He's not talking about how we love the world. That's, that's other places in Scripture. That's another reality. But here he's specifically, for specific reason, talking about our relationship as brothers and sisters. And he says in verse 21, this is the commandment. What's the commandment? The same author wrote in the Gospel, 1334, I'm going to give you a new commandment. And for the first time, you're going to be able to obey a commandment without it causing you to rebel. This is not the 11th commandment, as Bill would like to say. Bill's voice says, this is not the 11th commandment, but a whole new order of commandment. And, and you have the heart to obey it. So a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. That's the command. And if you're like me, I want to respond, do I have to? Could I just love some of them some of the time? Like, like the ones who really like me? Could we make the evidence of loving you something else, please? Humans are hard. They're fine in concept and from a distance. But when one of them hurts me, I get inflamed and I never want to see them again. And even if I make an attempt at forgiveness, sometimes if I'm being honest, I'm thinking, I don't like you. I'm just doing this because I don't want the Holy Spirit waking me up in the middle of the night. I can't talk about the relationship of brothers and sisters in love in the body of Christ without going to Ephesians. Um, I, I want to look at that passage. 
I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. And look at this verse in terms of today, where we are today, where the body of Christ is today. I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And this is it. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, I want you to be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want you, above everything else, be diligent, whatever else you're doing, to preserve the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. There's, there's just one body, one spirit, just you were also called in, in the hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, of all who is over and all and through all in all. Why? Why is that so important? One, because it's beautiful. Secondly, because of who's watching. John will write in the gospel, in the middle of the high priestly prayer, he'll say, I in them, Father, and you in me, that they, here it is again, that they may be perfected in unity. Huh. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. That, that's, that right there is why he puts such importance on that um, passage in Ephesians. The unity of the Spirit, the bonds of peace. God does not use our Christian values to draw others to Jesus, primarily. God doesn't use our political rightness to draw others to Jesus, God doesn't use us blasting sinners to draw them to Jesus. God uses our love of each other to draw others to Jesus. Decades ago, I think about the same time that I did the old landlord piece, the elders, primarily Bill, they were writing these lists of essentials for Open Door. One of them contains this statement. We must understand that commitment, an expression of our love learned through His grace, is a vital, essential part of what has made Open Door what it is. When individuals lack commitment, separation is possible and convenient for a multitude of wrong reasons. When commitment is realized and verified and honored, hmm, we will grow together dependent on each other. Our relationships built on principles of love, commitment, will always win over issues of practice, programs, and personalities. There's a passage (laughs) that I love in in Colossians 3.8. Uh, through 17. I just want to read the one verse. He talks about there being this renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all in all. He's talking about a room full of people who want nothing to do with each other. Boom! And then they find Christ and they're like little kids together. 
I know I don't have anything in common. I know we believe differently on so many things. Woo! I can't wait to be with you again together. This is the power of Christ. And this is the group that he gathers together. I just love this. We commit to love each other with whom we have little but Jesus in common. These, these people were sworn enemies who now knelt under the authority of the king of kings. Suddenly they had a higher value, a higher allegiance. I remember in 1980, it was a room with not as nice carpet samples as the... <laughs> It it was uh, over on Fairmont, somewhere over on Fairmont. I wanted to say 16th Street, but Stacy always says about 26th Street. So, and thanks so much, Bill. Thanks. And once again, she's always right, and that's great. But it was the most stunning awareness. I walked into that funky carpet sampled auditorium. And it had the most befuddling collection of social and spiritual political disparity. All deeply and playfully in love with each other in Jesus. I remember one specific night, Bill Foles, his hair was... I, I know you can't even imagine it, but it was like two and a half feet longer. And he had no... He's doing communion, no shoes on. And there's Gary Dodd the most straight human being who's ever lived. And he, he's going, okay, I'm going to serve communion to a man with no shoes on. Okay. It was the gathering of such an eclectic... You know what it did to me? I went, this is real. This is real. I've stumbled into something very, very real. This does not exist any other place in the world but the body of Christ. Okay, you guys. Um... Forgive me if I overstep, if I say it clumsily or poorly, and I will. I've poured over these words trying to say them so right, but I don't know that there's a way to say them right. We're in a perfect storm right now of shocking conditions that evil has manipulated to tempt us to question preserving the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. A pandemic locked us away from each other, and gave us unprecedented internet time to read who we could blame on all this. Time to read articles yelling why we should be divided from one another by sudden experts claiming unassuageable credibility. And then protests, more, more deeply exacerbated sides, and media fan the flame of division and derision and hatred. And it all finally got in under the wire in the body of Christ. We started demanding our rights, forgetting that Scripture says we are aliens and strangers with no rights and no home in this system. I want to say that again. Whatever you are as a citizen of America, that's great. But as believers... You are an alien and a stranger. You have no rights here, no home. That's why He gave you a home when you first came to Christ in Him. And then we got drawn into anger and blame and tearing down and gossiping and judging. 
So let me let me say, first of all, on love, there's some things that love does not demand. Love does not demand that we enjoy everyone the same. Stuart laughs as he looks at me. <laughs> love does not demand that we can't disagree. And again, my wife and I would be the object lesson on that with her knowing where Fairmont was. Um, love does not demand that we can't declare unproven theories. As kooky as some of them might be. Love does not demand that we not have a strong take. Love does not demand that we, that we have to stay in a place that no longer fits us. Christian love, it goes so far. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I don't have love, I don't have anything. Love is kind. Love is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It hopes all things. Love never fails. Love does not gossip. It does not mock or spread rumors or tear down another. Love does not create teams of us and them. Love does not find others to take with us in discarding commitment. Love does not let fear become our driving motivation. Love does not model disunity to our world. Love does not equate political unity with the unity of Christ. I want to say that again. Love does not equate political unity with unity in Christ. Love does not allow the world to decide who, who we get to love. Love does not elevate any country over God's love for the world. Love does not devalue any particular ethnicity. Love does not let the unhealthily divisive yell at us who to hate. Love does not lob hand grenades from behind anonymity. And love just does not hate even those who are messing with our world. You gave up all that the moment you put your hope in Jesus. You no longer have those rights. And love, it keeps coming back after friendships seem to be ruined. Love discovers the ability to own what we've done wrong. Love finds the ability to apologize, to ask forgiveness, to make amends. Love finds the ability to forgive those who have harmed your reputation. Love submits under the way Jesus sees life. Love stands with believers who believe politically radically different than us. Love plays no favorites. It loves who God brings in the door. 
Love pursues innocence. Love draws closer to weakness and failure. Love trusts leaders with integrity in our faith communities. Love meets needs. Love discovers the needs of our opponents. Love also has the humility to admit, I could be flat out wrong in my opinions. There are many religious systems which will allow you to hate each other. This just doesn't happen to be one of them. What we want to learn is the art of winning each other's hearts, of wooing out each other's new nature, not appealing to the flesh, to shame, to anger, to competition, to division, to insult, to attack, to rumor, to innuendo. Instead, I want to learn the art. How do I speak to your heart in a way you can hear me? That's, that is the art of love. So what if I discover that I've not been diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? Anybody know somebody? I know none of you have done that, but... <laughs> How many of you know someone who might have done that? Yeah, on, on videos or something. If we discover that, we've not been diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. Here's what we get to do also as lovers. We get to own it, ask for forgiveness to anyone we've hurt. We get to make amends and maybe return to authentic recommitments of love. Now, there's been a pandemic that's robbed us from each other. Bill used to, back in the early days, he would find the weakest excuses for us to get together. <laughs> Just to get us together. Hey, we're having a, another three-legged race thing. Okay, well, I guess we're going there. But he knew what he was doing. He and Grace knew that we had to be together to have a context to find out how to do this. That it wasn't enough for us to just come in on Sunday and have like-mindedness of the way we heard Scripture. We would have to fall in love with each other. Because we are Scythians and barbarians. And we have nothing else in common with each other, most of us. And so we, I want to say as the dust starts to settle and the vaccines start to come out, um, we are tired. And all of us are ready to come home to each other. To Christ in us. Guys, we're on time. There's no, there's no bad guys in this. There's all of us who got hit and caught off guard. No bad guys, okay? This is the way back to peace. This is the way back to strength. This is the way back for us to be able to protect and help heal this world. This communion table, it's everything. It's our way back home. When I take it, remember what he said? Um, verse nine, 16 said, Everything the motive is, the love 
God has for us, that he would go that far to create this rabble, this band of Scythians and barbarians. Now it's ours. All of it for every one of us. No bad guys, no good guys. All of us. And some of us maybe for the first time today hearing even about this and you aren't even a believer yet and you're going, is this real? This is what makes the body of Christ different than anything in the world. His blood, his shed blood, it did something miraculous. It forgave our sins and gave us a way home. And you could have a way home today too. So, people with nothing in common except Jesus, we get to go to the table together. I love you, brothers and sisters. I am so proud to stand in this sacred community with the likes of you. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.